G'day, mate. You ready for our next guest? I think so. Well, it's a really exciting one tonight because he's a rags to riches story. Actually, aren't you? Are you a rags to riches story? Nah, it's sort of probably. Hang on, I'm not ready for you yet. <laughs> now, I know you've been very critical of my opening, so I'm, I'm going to be tuned. I'm just going to cut through tonight. So you're talking about, I think from the entertainment industry globally, it's the hardest role in the world is to go through the stand-up route. Stand-up route to stardom. Are you a star? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's hanging yeah absolutely. That's true. So you're talking about a guy that is a New Zealand born and bred. He's come through comedy. He's come through stand-up. And now he's undoubtedly the king of the airwaves. And not a bad little cricketer. And he's a good... <laughs> now, I've got to tell you this. Not many people know this. <sighs> Di, you're a... Um... Sorry, it's Di Henwood. <laughs> <laughs> Di, yes. He's sitting right there. He's right here. <laughs> starting to get all good. Di, you, you're, you're a passionate cricketer and you love your uh, last man standing. Could you tell me what's the greatest court and bold you've ever seen in The Last Man Standing? Oh, here we go. It's a leading question, isn't it? Surely. Yeah, it is. I don't know where he's um, where he's where he's leading me. <laughs> <laughs> Just Fuck. answer it honestly. <laughs> Fucking can't believe it. I've practiced that all day today. I only yeah. played one game with you. Oh yeah, no, that was pretty amazing. All I'd see the thing I I or my only failed. Um, I just think of a failed court and bowl where there's a guy here, Mikey, who had a ball back and knocked a guy's teeth out. Oh. <laughs> and that whenever someone says court and bowl, that's all I... Uh, that's the only thing that comes to mind. Die Henwood. Yeah. Everybody, Die Henwood. Yay! Um, so, welcome, Di. The, um, it's, uh, I have to say, cricket is something we have in common. You're a competitive cricketer, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Since I um, when I started out, I always thought sports was going to be my um, was going to be my role in life. Uh, cricket and rugby. I grew up playing since I was five and played um, both representative. Played for Mana in cricket. Weirdly, Mana. And, yeah. <laughs> Where is Mana? Mana Mana's like it's the one just outside of Wellington. Well, if you can't make the Wellington team, you're, in, you're, 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 you're a gun opening bowler for Mana. Um, so I played for Mana and I played um, red rugby for Wellington because I was this size. I was 70 kgs and 5 foot 5 when I was 12 years old. So I was like the big unit. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, like, I was playing like under 16 reps when I was like 12 year old and then all the Polynesian boys <laughs> like just turned into massive trees and I stayed the same. Slowly went from... Uh, centre through to halfback, <laughs> then just got sick of being knocked out. So so flagged it and got into comedy. But still, cricket of cricket something. I I don't know whether it's just the passive aggressive New Zealand nature in me, but cricket's such a good um, banter sport. I mean, the, I I've I got invited along to play a game of indoor cricket, and these guys. They've got their own comedy sort of indoor cricket team. It's yeah, quite named, a competitive. It's named. Uh, tried to be. A, we tried to name it like an IPL side. It's called the Twanger Delhi Super Soakers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the only because 
there's quite a lot of sledging goes on in indoor cricket yeah, generally. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty intense. But, yeah. <laughs> but it was the only game of indoor cricket where the opposition just weren't game. It <laughs> <laughs> was like you could just see they were all just sitting there. They wanted to say something, but there was just like you know because there's Jesse Griffin and yeah, like Dye and Hurley. Yeah, Ben Hurley, all these guys, <laughs> and so they're all just the opposition's all just sitting there. And if I say one line out, and it's gonna it's gonna get hurt. I'm gonna get hurt here. <laughs> it was hilarious. But now cricket, um, I think is quite a quite a mix between cricket and, and and comedians. A lot of comics are into into cricket. And I remember I was over in um, with Jesse Griffin. You mentioned he he plays Wilson Dixon. It's a sort of um, like a country music character, and um, he actually goes and does country music festivals. And we were over in um, we we're in the UK in that two thousand and six bombing was it to around 2006 2007 there was the london bombings oh, yeah, with the, the tubes the and we were both <laughs> on the tube while that was happening really going from south london up to north london and then we ended up um finding this other aussie comic kitty flanagan who's who was away when we went, went and holed up in her flat and um, just drunk cases and cases of beers and watched the ashes <laughs> while all the sort of fallout from the bombing because we couldn't get back to our spots. And um, we formed a massive bond yeah. over that. And then, yeah, suddenly just discovered all these um, comedians are into cricket. You made, you made a comment at the, like, at the infancy there just saying, I went for rugby, I started playing comedy. I started doing comedy. Yeah. How the hell do you, do you get into comedy? Because it is, you've got to be fearless. Yeah, comedy is something you, um, it's that hard thing as everyone goes, oh, I'm the f- funny guy at the party or I know yeah, someone yeah. who's funny at the party. And I have so many people say that to me going, oh, my mate should do stand-up. And you can only know if you can do stand-up by doing it. Yeah. So it's full baptism of fire. Yeah. You get up. And like I got up, um, I 1997 I first did it, so I was... I was like 18, I think I was, and um, it was like a comedy competition up in Auckland. I'm from Wellington, and came up and did it. And it's just it wasn't. Ewan Gilmore was hosting it, and he said, "You've got, you got, you got some talent. You should keep doing it." Yeah. And um. But how scared were you? Oh, just so freaked out. Like I knew, I knew from when I was young. When I was five years old, I made people laugh, and I don't quite know why. And the feeling it gave me was I knew I always wanted to make people laugh. So you were the guy at the party, though? Yeah, yeah. And I was like the sort of the class clown, that sort of thing. And my old man was in um, a sitcom called Gliding On over here, which was New Zealand's longest-running sitcom. And um, I used to get up before school and just watch the VHS, like the videos of that, and just sort of memorise lines and delivery and... Um, Monty Python records and Eddie Murphy. We had little <laughs> the Eddie Murphy delirious tape when he was in a suit. We had it recorded and me and my mate just listened to it over and over and over. But yeah, then came up and did it, and it's so stressful. Yeah. There's nothing because you. I always reckon that comedy is the most um, honest art form because you can go to a play or you can go to. Um, like an art exhibition and you can watch it and then you can just talk shit and go, yeah, yeah. that was a woman. <laughs> but you can't fake laughing for an hour. Yeah, yeah. You can't fake laughing. So you know whether you're doing well or not and every single bit is fail, is, is yeah. sort of What's your mate's name? Immediate feedback. Which one? The one that we went to watch. James Stewart. Do you remember, have you ever seen yes. James Stewart? 
So I don't know if he's still doing it or not. But we we so James is a does a bit of art and stuff for us. He's amazing. I actually amazing did some. Um, he was doing some draw some drawings for me. Like so we yeah, he's an incredible artist. But he also does a little bit of stand up. He's not on. He's quite level. a diversive comic yeah, yeah, as well. well. <laughs> so we go to this little box, and there's only there's only about twelve or twenty four seats or something, and so. From the first joke that comes in, it's quite obscure. It's quite a particular taste. <laughs> but I'd taken Mick along, and so Mick sitting in there with only twenty people, <laughs> no, in this, and he and so and second joke, and Mick just roars with laughter. Anyway, at the end of the show, and the whole place just lit up. And from that point on, he never looked back. Yeah. At the end of the show, he comes up and he just grabs one and he goes, "Whoever that guy is, you brought." God bless you. <laughs> no, no, it's got it except for me. It probably wasn't even funny. We're all we're all laughing to support Mick. <laughs> but the, um, but I was singing like a well, a couple of things. But did you remember? The tw- you must have heard the Twelfth Man tapes. All the cricket Twelfth oh, Man tapes. I was obsessed with Twelfth Man tapes. Used to half his arm missing. Yeah, just you know, rubbish. <laughs> rubbish. Was, 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 yeah, all of the all of the um, and even then when he got into the rugby league. <laughs> So I used to Jerry see you see you, I see you too Jerry Jerry <laughs> and, and um, yeah um, Francis Smelly and so yeah. too is Italy uh, no I so I also when I started out I was doing like fruity I was obsessed with like professional wrestling and stuff and yeah. um, so I was doing this character that was sort of like a homage to Eddie Murphy style comedy and and an American Voice with dressed as a professional wrestler in tights and I was doing gigs at the fucking Levin Cosmopolitan Club, <laughs> right? Which is not cosmopolitan. <laughs> just old. It was just old mate. And bear in mind this is late nineties where New Zealand, if you weren't Billy T, you shouldn't be doing comedy. Like it was it was a period in comedy where it was like, we've had John Clark, mate, we've had Billy T. But what I but I reckon doing? I reckon that so this is my own pushing my own trumpet here, but I reckon the nineties, all of those all that nineties period and whether it was sport, T V or anything it actually broke a whole lot of ground, I reckon, because sure, yeah. New Zealand really changed in that period. And, you know, we sort of flourished into the 2000s and then technology has taken over. But you're right. Like, you know, it was brave back then to stand up, even at university. The guy doing music was just the, you know, it was out of, well, one out of the you'd box. Look, you'd look back, especially as, like, when I'd go and see comics and anyone who had an Irish accent or something... They'd have the same material, yeah. Or like, uh, but they'd yeah. be killing. Then you get up there and be, oh, here we go. <laughs> but the nineties was that real cultural cringe yeah, for yeah. everything, and <clears throat> the All Blacks are really the only people that have escaped yeah. that over time. Because it's always been if you go away, you succeed overseas, you yeah. come back. Then it's like, did you ever die on stage in the early days? Yeah, heaps. I mean, and still do because when you're trying out material, it's like you. I'll go up. I'll write usually in seven minute chunks. I'll write seven minutes. Go up, do it, and then if four of it's good, it's it's okay because comedy's about taking everything away. Yeah. It's about do it. You do it, and then you go shit. I got. Yeah. It's well, only a minute out of that. You know, and once you cut all that away and pair it all back, and it's about keeping it real simple. When you look at what happens in America, you know, which is one of the, the king of comedy countries, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yep. And you see, as they go on to be great, some of their past comes back to haunt them. Does that ever worry you? Ever? Um. Luckily, most of my past was been on television. Are you talking about Bill, <laughs> you talking about Bill Cosby or? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, don't touch the sun. Suddenly, I've got nothing. Oh, was he wearing that dog? No, I weirdly... Um, where were you? I was just wondering where you were going. <laughs> What's he done? Yeah. Now, this is a thing, though, that, that is, is quite a talking point within sort of global comedy now, is with is people being judged on what they said 10 years ago. Yeah. When, like, the climate was different. You might, yeah, that's right. You might not have meant something by that, but that's the way people were talking but something. It's not too much different than trying to compare. I know it's. I know. I don't want to make it flippant comment, but it's like comparing generations of sports people to a different generation when there was different rules or different, you know, different game or whatever. Same sport, but, diff, you know, comparing all blacks over generations. It's, it's, it, you can never do it because the game's different. So all you can say is they were funny at the time or great players at the time. But... It's even more impactful because of the nature of society's change has been so vast, right? Yeah, so, and the, that's the thing. It's also then I don't buy into the thing people go, you can't say anything these days, yeah. right? Because I've always maintained that I'd defend what I'd say on stage. Like yeah. I've got a good moral compass. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have anything against anyone, you know, as long yeah. as, as long as what you're doing is not hurting mm. someone else, get into yeah. it. But, um, but then there's all people dragging up. They said this, like how that guy Kevin Hart, like I'm not a fan of Kevin Hart's comedy, to be honest, but he lost the Oscars, hosting the Oscars over something he tweeted 10 years ago and what they didn't cover is the fact that he'd yeah. actually fully apologised yeah, for that. Right. And going, can people not change? Move on, yeah. No? Well, also, yeah, I mean, but also part of comedy is pushing the, the, the edges as well, right? So... And I don't know, watch a bit of Bill Burr and people like that, you know, and they are really cool. They call things out for the shock value, but also it's got a half truth or it's a half, but he's he's using it as a platform to sort of provoke and laugh at the same time. Yeah, but especially through America, that was how um, people challenged things. That's how you challenged, you know, yeah, you weren't exactly. allowed to swear on stage and then Lenny Bruce sort of change that and also this is why you can never write down what comics say because you might make a joke that if you read it people go that's racist but they don't get the tone and realise you're actually laughing at the racist not yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the racism, and, yeah. and sometimes things have got to be shoved in your face so people can confront them because yeah. the one thing I think we do now live in a society where people feel they can't disagree, you know, that we've all got to be on the same side, there's no grey, whereas it's like, okay, I don't agree with this and this, I'm on the same side as you, but I don't agree with that and that. And it's fine to disagree. Yeah, well, well, words are sort of being... Everything can be taken out of context. The the nature of argument these days is you try too hard to make a point and that can then be isolated out of context and then forever held against you. And once you're labelled something, be it a racist or sexist or whatever it might be, something it's, it's always something nasty. It's never something good, is it? But like the, I was, you when know, you were saying that, I was actually thinking <laughs> of Bill Cosby and I was like, what's he? <laughs> a rapist, sorry. But, <laughs> but you know, like, it's sort of like, then they just, then you, so then it's, you almost end up, it's a way of marginalising an argument. So then that person's just forever fighting their way back to, to get to a level play. Field, right? What are you I'm loving him. He's making me laugh. <laughs> no, but it's the thing of the it's the thing of having to defend the negative. As if you know, if someone yeah. goes, "You're being racist," when you're not, 
then all of a sudden you're defending not yeah. being racist and it's like, well, I was never racist to be <laughs> No, there's a difference yeah, between... Yeah. It's the topic's racism. You should be able to laugh about it. There's topics, whatever. Terrorism, you should be able to laugh about yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. not terrorism, sorry. No, I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not no but the thing is there is... There is <laughs> Aspects. There's, there's, it's, I mean, no way say comedy is tragedy. Exactly. Plus time. Yeah. Well, an example, you say terrorism, right? Bill, <laughs> Bill Boo's got a great story about this. He, he, go, he goes to a stand-up night, like two, I think it was maybe even three days after September 11, right? Oh, and there's, oh, this Amer- there's, there's this American comic who, like, he's known for just... He was... I even forget his name. He's, like, he's never made it big, but he was known amongst the comics as he'd say the most offensive thing. He gets up on stage, just stands shaking his head at the mic, and he goes... Fuck. That long, long haul travel really can wind you up, though, can't it? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god! And of course, he gets booed. <laughs> booed on stage. But then going, then me as a comic goes, Jesus, it's that, not bad. No, it's not bad. But the balls <laughs> for, for you to have that line and to chuck it out going tonight, I might say this. So everyone's laughing backstage. But then to go out yeah. and commit to it. So you got admiration, right? Yeah, because the thing is, comedians backstage in a in a green room is the most heinous shit <laughs> that you'll ever hear. Because everyone's trying to out escalate each yeah, other. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. just trying to push push the level, push the level. Yeah. And it's the way of everyone loosening up yeah. their comedy muscles, sort of just yeah. fucking of around, I suppose, and sort of saying getting all the things out. And that's what I've always loved about Seven Days. When we film it, they say just go nuts. Yeah. Don't try and self censor yourself because well, that's where it gets ruined. Well let's talk about the start of your T V career. So you went yeah. from starting in, in, in stand up comedy and then you got discovered by C4, the C4 channel? Yes, yeah, and this is 10 years in. I've yeah. been doing comedy, for better or worse, for 10 years. Um, and I'd gone overseas and failed massively in Edinburgh but kept going and lost. So how old were you at this point? At this point, I would have been, like, 24. I'd won the, the Billy T Award when I was 22, and that was a point in my life where I went, I'm doing this. Yeah. For a job now. Um, you won $7,000 and I like, sort of <laughs> bought a, a computer and I'd been saving up. I'd done just sort of relentless hospitality work, which I think everyone should do. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you yeah. a, bit, a bit of respect yeah, for people. Humility, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and I'd come out of uni. I had a degree in Eastern psychedelic religion, like why people um, take acid to find God. <laughs> I don't know why I went down that route. You can get a degree in that. Yeah, no, <laughs> so that was like my major. David, oh, yeah. Higgins, David Higgins, if you're watching the show, yeah, yeah, yeah. something to consider. I was going to say, I, I think I got that degree, but I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, sure. I'm not sure I've got the paperwork. I've got the official paperwork after being on the paperwork. And, um, no, so um, I'd sort of done that. Like My folks had always been massively supportive, but they'd just said, look, you've got to go to uni. Because the best thing I remember my dad saying was, you go to uni to learn what you don't know. Yeah. But you just go to uni to go, shit, everyone's learning all this. I've got no idea what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And so came out, then just was determined to be a stand-up. My folks sort of went, that's all good. Just put a 10-year limit on it. If you can't make money in 10 years, you've got to do something else. Which was sort of wise words. And then I won this yeah. Billy T Award. Then I went, everyone's going to Edinburgh. I'll go over to Edinburgh. I... um. 
I grew up playing cricket actually with the Flight of the Concords, yeah, with yeah. Brett from Flight of the Concords, <laughs> and so I lived with them over in Edinburgh. They were just breaking, selling out shows. I was dying on my ass. <laughs> I was cancelling shows. I lost like 15 grand. I sort of borrowed and fundraised wow. and all that sort of carry on. And um, so then I came back to New Zealand. Then I just, because it's something I had to do, yeah. I just kept pushing. And I knew I, I knew I had the skill, but I hadn't found my niche. Yeah. And then I just started doing, um, it was around that time, 2005, then 2006, I was doing a stand-up show at um, the Classic and Andrew Schusterman and um, Mikey Carpenter came along and um, he goes, hey, do you want a TV show? <laughs> and I went, yeah, and he goes, sweet, you goes to air next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be the guy you work with, this is Mikey. And um, we just became thick as thieves from there and then we sort of just drunk beers and started making this once a week TV show called Insert Video Here, which was just crazy interviews on the street. It was me put in playing my natural game. Yeah. Where it was Perfect, right? Where I'm quick, I'm approachable, sort of not threatening, can the, I've always been away, able to get away with saying things to people you probably shouldn't say, but because people can see it either comes so from know, a kind place. You know when we were talking about th- things coming back to haunt you? Yeah. Because I remember that. That was probably, you definitely, that sort of definitely broke you, eh? That was like, that, oh, was, yeah. you're, you're out into the world and it was like, oh, who's this guy's popped up, you know, for the mainstream. Obviously, yeah. comedy people would have known you. But but I I remember you there. You are quite potty mouthed, you know? Oh, like it was full and, on. And, and so, and you know, a little bit confrontational and saying things. But, like, do you ever worry a little bit about, I mean, how did you get well, away with something? Because back then, that, I'm sure it was, like, quite risque, eh? Was well, that, yeah, did it someone and going, hey, if we're in a, under a duvet, what would you do to my dick? <laughs> That's that's not your that's not it's, your average question. It's as, that's as risque as it gets. <laughs> but um, what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it wasn't him. I was worried. <laughs> but um, that that show was just an experience and basically going out. Now, th- I mean, there's the things on that. It was it suited its time. We yeah. pushed we pushed boundaries with that, but we. I always sort of was the fall guy who ended up looking like the dick. So that's, you know, it's because I'm not coming in from a big staunch over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like the little guy, you know. People yeah. end up, the yeah, I, I'm never threatening yeah, in yeah. that situation. And we, I mean, I remember this um, party we went out to in West Auckland. We did an episode on House Party. <laughs> we, went, we went out there. We pulled into the street and it was just... Like mayhem, they knew we were coming, and insert video here got this huge cult following. And we got there, and then it was like, Yeah, all these people are glass barbecue enthusiasts. There's a lot of pee being smoked here. And then we went and we were interviewing it. It was a really funny episode. Then we, I started seeing this girl, and I, these dude, this isn't gonna end well. Yeah. And then we we came in and filmed it on an interview and walked into this room where these guys were about to like really? get pretty bad heavy. on this heavy on this girl. So I just bowled in, chucked her over my shoulder, 
Have a good night, guys. <laughs> Took her out and chucked her in a cab. And it was these, those sort of moments that when I think back on now, it's just like, this was so, you know, it's wow. the last That's a pretty, situation yeah, I'd yeah. like to put myself yeah. in now. But when you think about history and you think about those sorts of moments, what about, tell us about when you got drunk in Christchurch. Oh, Christchurch. Yeah. Hey, that Christchurch is actually my, um, that was the first time I'd realised I was famous like in New Zealand. <laughs> what do you mean? Because went down, the Buskers Festival was my favourite time of year. Buskers Festival and Winterfest in Queenstown. We'd go down there. Um, it was, you'd just do 15-minute stand-up. Everyone would chuck money into this thing, you'd divvy it up and you'd be given like a grand cash every, every night. And it was like, you know, I'm carefree, I've got no qualms or whatever. But showed up the first night and there was like this line around the block at Loaded Hog. And it was like, <laughs> fuck that. And then they were all sort of pointing me out and was like, fuck, they're here to see me. And then really? this was just, and all the other buskers on the lineup were stoked because they were like, did you do the Richard Hadley and go, hey guys, I, this car, I, I, I think I just want, I want to keep this car. <laughs> you guys, could, you guys, how about you guys use my batch once a week? Yeah, once a week. He did that for the, the player of the match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they used to get the car, yeah. flog it off, then split the. <laughs> no, 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 oh, no. I can keep this one because oh. I'm quite a good bowler. You see, so. <laughs> and he, but he did. Offer, I think there was an offer for here to batch in the Marlborough Sounds or something, so he offered everyone like a weekend for two at the Marlborough Sounds. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. Yeah, don't, like, t- don't like, take the plastic off the uh, sofa. I like the so. way you, uh, you sort of weave around that a bit, but tell us about the time you got drunk. No, so then, then we get to. I, uh, I'm wondering whether I should tell the stories about the guy who stopped me into this story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, but he wouldn't have been the guy who took my room card and went speed dating and took something back while I was on stage. But anyway, we're... <laughs> probably, probably not no, that guy. Probably hey. not that guy. Probably not that guy. But, <laughs> <laughs> God, <he's busy. laughs> but, but so we, we, we go down and we think it would be great to, to film down here. And, it, I mean, that was that was just in the height of... A piss trip like that was when I was things had just exploded I don't have kids you know the best thing in my life a quick segue was I met my wife pretty much when I got famous which has saved me a lot of issues yeah absolutely because the the I was pissed a lot of time and hammered and where it's like that but I've always had a moral compass on that and it's like that has been a saving grace that I don't have were you, of, were you pissed when you came across the homeless man spoon? Spooning a homeless man was probably my height. <laughs> Talk, what, <laughs> what one of the th- most famous what, events what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, we were filming, we were sort of filming all night, <laughs> drinking all night, <laughs> doing whatever was going around, and then we were here, oh, we've got a gun. Film this thing. <laughs> film some stuff. So yeah, I ended up in the back of a bread truck talking to some poor bastard trying to deliver his bed, bread. <laughs> then just started spooning this homeless guy and, <laughs> and having a bit of a dance with him. I, I, he was asleep and you just came up. Yeah, and just had a spoon. He actually, I can't remember. I probably smelt worse than him, to be honest. Um, but this is just in the long line of... Things that made Insert Video here this cult sort of yeah, show, which yeah. is why I was then 
um, so surprised. Like, because that we were we were sort of looking at going to America and doing another one. We didn't did Australia, which yeah. was just crazy. And um, with C four, yeah, with C four, right, right. and then we we're looking at going to America. Then the global financial crisis happened, yeah. and it just sort of was like, yeah, no gonna no gonna go. And then so I went from this height of like it's not. It shows how much stand up is so much about love. There was never. Money and this, yeah, you know, yeah. we were oh, making so, it. So when stand-up, I want a question I wanted to ask you before. So, because I, I reckon when I, when you watch a good stand-up, one of the things in sport you talk about is being in the zone, you know, sort of like get that feeling of like you're not thinking, everything's pure, it's just, just reaction, just watching it. And I watch, you watch a good stand-up or, and, or, you know, you guys on seven days is the same thing. You can sort of see you get in this sort of flow, you know, where it's just – and I think that's one of the things that makes you so special is you can see that you're not you're not monitoring yourself. You're just you're just reacting. It's, and it's just so instant. It's that instantaneous, instantaneous thing that makes it so good and so pure. Well, comedy is surprise. Yeah. So I always find it surprise when you just start going. Yeah. yeah. And then you're sort of slightly surprising yourself and you definitely get in that flow – sort of state where even if like the best thing is all stand-ups pretty much have their set of what they're going to say it just comes out slightly differently so when you're in that then you can sort of go off piste a bit and then you come back and it's all sort of going well yeah but then when you have a say some say a 48 year old woman who's had two bottles of chardonnay (laughs) Trying to talk to you while you're oh. trying, while you're trying to get into the flow, so yeah, yeah, or yeah. you've just got an old geezer yeah. there who's just talking shit, punching <laughs> beers, or you've got Matthew and Mark at the back <laughs> after <laughs> yelling out. Um, that's that's when it gets hard because then you're in yeah, the a bit more fight or flight where it's like, okay, right, this I've got to worry, worry about this yeah. because there's nothing worse than getting all the way to the end of a joke. And then someone yelling something out, so it's yeah. like, well, yeah. I can't start again. You've ruined the, yeah, you've yeah, ruined no. the flow. And it's that thing like cricket, where you know how you can play the same shot, and you're not doing anything. It's flying to the boundary. Or yeah. some days it's just like, why the fuck can't I hit it? <laughs> yeah. Like you had, every, you're doing everything the same, but it's yeah, just yeah, a yeah, weird yeah. little sort of. Or everything feels hard. Well, that's what makes it so magical, isn't it? It's just so intangible. And that's what that form you get into when you can just sort of bring it on. And the great players of anything, they seem to be able to get into that state more often, right? It's like they were yeah. – and some even don't even seem to ever get out of it. But yeah, well, for me, I found for stand-up, and it's something I, I got to a bit later, was just not the whole thing which I've been trying to bring to my life a bit more is that not caring. Yeah. Like, just not – Caring we can't, stuff because stand up you definitely have imposter syndrome yeah. sort of stuff because you know like a corporate a yeah. company will come will pay a lot to to go there right yeah. and you're like oh, why are you paying me you know <laughs> what the fuck am I you know what am I doing here <laughs> yeah. you know it's, and funny, then, it's funny you tipped on it you, did you, you you called last week before he what was it sellout is that you oh you're gonna go there <laughs> oh. <laughs> Shivered. No, no, I don't. I can't. Is that I, I, I'm a big boy, man. I can call him a sellout on my own terms. Thanks very much. It's a, I, I was going to get there. No, no. My point was, I thought that I thought that um, well, you know, surely on this meteoric rise that you've had. The, before I come to the sellout part, 
<laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that. I wanted to just say, do you think, are you at that point now where you just turn up and people think you're funny? Like, do you, is it, has it sort of like, is there a natural sort of point? Because, because you know, I would say in New Zealand, you're, there's a few, but you're probably the the funny guy, right? You know, there's there's, and if you look at Seven Days, that's the perfect yeah, position yeah. and moulding because all those guys set it. You'll set each other up. It buys you five minutes. Yeah, like, that's what I was saying before about how honest comedy is. It'll yeah. buy you five minutes. Like yeah. the the difference is, I can get up and people go, "Oh, no, he's funny." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then if you're not funny, <laughs> yeah. then it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that, I saw that bloody guy from yeah. Seven Days. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like the thing is, because you can't fake laughing. So that's the thing is, and I've always been a real, not perfectionist, but really concerned about doing good job. Yeah. Like work ethic's always been something that was instilled in me from my folks. So that that's what stresses me out. And then it's like, you got. I've got to get to the point of going. Oh, who who cares? You know. Yeah. I've got to look at my track record. I haven't fucked one up so far. <laughs> so well, you know. But, this, but Nashi's right. I've, I've, when the, is have you not fucked any up? I've fucked some up. No, I mean, I, no, I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, like in terms of like like when Shit. in terms of a big gig, yeah, like yeah. I haven't. There's not one. You're a balls. No, up. yeah, and not one that I've that that I've fucked up through not being prepared. I hit not trying. Because every now and then I get invited along something, and so like I, I'm on the board of a charity for Catwalk Trust. It's like for research into paraplegic injuries, and so we that asked me to do a um, thing for talking about you know you do a debate, and so and they for months had been in this thousand black tie at the Sky City, and I was like yeah yeah sweet no worries, and um, there's me and Heather Duplessy Allen and someone else, and it was about not. Is about competition, and I got given the lie. Like, don't com- you shouldn't worry about keeping score. You know, I got given the obviously one that I shouldn't have, and <clears throat> and the other ones were keeping score. Anyway, so it was like two minutes. You've only got two minutes. You've only got two minutes, and it got drilled for months and months and months. So I was like, oh yeah, two minutes, sweet as. So I go up there on stage, black tie dinner, all these famous rich people, and famous people, and then the first guy jumps up from the other team, talks for ten minutes, and I could just feel the like. Blood all drain out of me, and because I'm looking at my notes, and I'm like, I've literally got 90 seconds here, <laughs> and I'm like, just like, and you know that horrible feeling in the most out of body experience is like, th- I've got, I'm just thinking to myself, no, I've got how, what am I gonna do? I've got nothing. I know. Talking about charities and fuck ups, I have actually fucked one up. That comes to mind. Where it, um, there's a big, the big auction, they always have an auction, they're yeah. like, fuck yeah, I went through a phase of like, I was really good at running this sort of auction, it was a bit yeah. funny. Get up, and I'm quite pissed. <laughs> so the, around the insert video here, we're going to seven days, I was a big caner. I get up and I'm like, this is for a good cause, this is for kids can, these kids have cancer, okay? And the organiser comes on stage and, hey, they don't have cancer, mate. This is Kids Can, it's about like getting kids dressed and stuff. And stuff like, yeah. Look, we've just found out Kids Can is about <laughs> jackets and stuff. But hey, if, if you look at it, statistically, some of these kids also have cancer, so you'd be supporting them as <laughs> And just we we I've got a couple of mates over there who are like, this, this is the funniest shit we've ever seen. <laughs> Best stand up ever. 
because <laughs> we're, we're, what I've always enjoyed is the digging myself yeah, out yeah, of the yeah, hole. Yeah, starting the hole, then trying to get out of it is a real, as a trope in stand-up, I find really enjoyable. Yeah. But now she's right. Like, when you did yes, the Uber Eats campaign. Yeah. Like, when it first aired on TV, my wife and kids were just, you didn't, you know, you it's a real short segment. Yeah. And everyone was just roaring with laughter. I was like... <laughs> He's funny. No, right. this is what you're funny now all the time. Like why I like that is because uh, that apologise to Nash about selling out. You don't look now. Nah, well, there's no. That's my job. That's <laughs> the job. Well, let me talk about the selling out. So my my the thing was dancing with the stars, right? Yeah. So you grew up listening to grunge, right? You were Nirvana. You Pearl Jam, Nirvana. Surely, tell me that you. Me, I was actually you, more. I was. Uh, that's that's. I consider that sellout music. Oh was, my god! I was, I was <laughs> more <laughs> Dead Kennedys, oh, uh, Crash, nice. like that sort of side. Well, of you're, it. so you're a double double uh, sellout. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd <laughs> spray painted my windows. I was full anarchist when I was in school. Full anarchist. I was that, and um, Public Enemy was my mate. My oh, first you con- were hardcore. First concert, I got snuck out to Public Enemy when I was 13 by my babysitter, who became a best mate. I thought I thought you were going to say it was a girl that babysitted. No, no. <laughs> it's like that would have been cool. And, um, <laughs> no, but then I got just it's like you've got there was the heyday in New Zealand, right? Yeah. That like um, uh, Corbett actually rode through nicely. Where More FM, there's no internet, all the advertising yeah, dollars in right. TV yeah, and radio. Right, yeah. You're getting batches on the Coromandel. <laughs> you're, living, you're living it, right? <laughs> Where I came through after the internet had broke, just as things are starting to dissipate. You yeah. know, like, you make a good wicket, yeah, yeah. but I've still got a mortgage in Avondale, you know? It's yeah, not, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like, like, it's my, not like boom, right, that year's sort of that house Mike Hoskins' life, yeah. Yeah, where you get all, like, those big... Who was it? Hawksby got that massive payout. Yeah. Yeah, back in the day. I remember... He worked, like, six months or something on a 10-year contract yeah. and got five million. I was like... I remember seeing How do you get that job? I've got to get into media worse, mate. I've got the cash. <laughs> but um, so then it was, then I realised this sort of segues to like the Concords getting massive. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were signing these deals. I came back here and then I suddenly realised I don't, I've tried that. Why do I want to go over there? The grass is always greener. Someone's always got a better gig. Someone's always got a better contract. I love New Zealand. I'm going to do it here. Things are working out. But to do it here, I had to do. You know, corporate gigs, emceeing, both peers gigs. Tough. When things, I mean, I do define my career more by the stuff I've said no to. I've said no to so much shit because I wanted to play the long game. Yeah. I haven't wanted to be, see, like, unless you're Dan Carter, who can do every, yeah. do That's it right. all. Right. No one gives Dan Carter shit for doing like 10 months <laughs> at the same time. They think they sort of do. Yeah, they sort of do. But also then you can't really because it's like, oh, you're But then he does the tag, how, how are you one or whatever, oh, no, with Tom Brady and it's, and it's all okay again. It's like, oh, man, how's he pulled that off? <laughs> um, but the, the thing was, so I've been quite picky about the ad sort of stuff I've done. Like the Uber Eats one I like because it was Rachel weird and it was Rachel Sorry, Hunter but it was just like, <laughs> like Tom Brady same thing it was funny without trying to be yeah, funny. funny is the worst yeah. thing is when especially with commercial stuff is you go in the idea's awesome it's yeah. really funny yeah yeah then clients start watering it down because yeah, they're right. scared of the comedy thing they're scared of fuck what if this yeah. is yeah. offensive then you end up doing the worst of everything yeah. so um it's been that trying to 
and and also going, this is my skill set. I've got a family. Yeah, yeah. Why, if I'm, I was only, I was only really tongue in cheek oh, about no, the sellout. But the, oh, um, my sixteen year old self, <laughs> if my sixteen year old self saw me doing ads, what's for, Rachel had a look? She was uh, so I was really intrigued as because um, I'd heard from back in the day she could be a bit difficult to work with or whatever. Oh, really? Then because I'm fully into the Eastern meditation buzz and all that. With LSD. And so, yeah, 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 that faded out. The LSD <laughs> faded out a bit, but the meditation stayed so, there. It's, it's nice, nice. And um, she is like an Indian yogi now yeah. who lives 18 months in India, then yeah. in LA. And so we yeah. actually had a lot in common, and she's such a lovely person. Nice. And in a situation like that, you end up sitting and just talking Talk. shit so much. Yeah. And also that thing of she's such an icon of, yeah. of New Zealand. I mean, do, I, do you do you in a way? I mean, because you know, to to sort sort of try and gift you back a little bit from the me calling you a sellout was, <laughs> um, but it's almost it all it is almost like um, you know you've become to some degree, you know, I, you, you've been at the core of the rejuvenation of comedy in New Zealand. Really, um, I don't think I'm overstating that. It really feels like you know you and a, and that seven days crew and the wider sort of community. I mean, obviously, Flight of the Concords is huge overseas, but here to me, it has almost been like. I mean, you're you're almost like Rachel Hunter, and it's almost like you need a trumpet in your hand, you know, and and a, and a V dub. It's it sort of like got to that level. Does, I, do you feel that? I feel really proud of what we did with insert video here. We definitely made the younger cats get into um, comedy because before that, I'd actually because I was sort of mentored by Mike King when he was in um, when he was in the height of his manic sort of cocaine days yeah. of where he was coming off the back of like um there's that funny as documentary comedy documentary where he actually just spoke really candidly about those sort of times and yeah. we'd never we'd never talked about it that much since then except that he was fucking full on <laughs> and but driven and he was so funny and yeah. he really liked my comedy yeah. and we made a um we made a full pilot and stuff, and he was sort of backing it. And then it was just because no one wanted New Zealand comedy. Yeah. And the pilot we did make was funny, but it was still entrenched in the old school. Yeah. Then when Insert Video came out, it was like, this doesn't have rules. This is just fucking funny, but it's not trying to be a sketch show. It's yeah. not trying to be that. So I think I definitely made it okay for younger cats to come on because I've always been the – I was – always the sort of younger one in the group. Like when we came through, I came through with Reece Darby um, and then behind me there was Ben Hurley. Reece Darby's got such an awkward, funny nature, eh? Like he's almost like, I mean, early on Reece Darby could, pretend, you're almost watching him trying to help him not bomb. But then it was so much so that when it, when it, when the laugh came it was like, Oh, he's hilarious. But he's awkward. Yeah. But he was so confident. Yeah. Even on open mic nights, he'd come out and go, oh, so I'm on with all these fucking chumps. <laughs> they should be sitting backstage asking for my autograph. <laughs> you know, and then he sort of... And I lived with him for years, and um, we sort of had this real great group of where you'd go to the classic comedy bar... You'd get paid twenty to forty bucks. You'd spend it all over the bar. They'd still give you more beers. It was just the idea of living in the in the moment. It's comedy, right? Yeah, and it was, and then we'd just crack each other up. And but I, I mean, I, 
I think it, it gets blurred a bit because coming through at the same time as like the Concords and Reese, they rose to these these in massive international heights. But domestically, C4 especially brought through yeah. so much yeah, talent, it. and then. When John and Ben sort of started shifting, they were employing yeah, yeah. so many comics. Then Seven Days started, and now young cats go, "Oh, we don't have to go to the fucking Levin Cosmopolitan yeah. Club. We can actually get a job." Do you think maybe some of them should still go to the Levin? Oh, de- like definitely. I think there's a. Um, I don't know whether this is me just being a bit of an old cunt. <laughs> um, Probably. I'll, no, I've just the thing is there's something about being battle hardened. Yeah. As a comic of no yeah. of knowing, I've got this twenty minutes and it's going to work in front of a hipster crowd in Grey Lynn, yeah. or I can go out to Pukekohe yeah. in front of some V eight dudes yeah. and it'll still work. Yeah. But and I'm, that's yeah. what I had because I was quirky, as I said, I was fucking dressed up in tights, right? Yeah. So I got called everything under the sun. Yeah, I'm getting changed into fucking a unitard <laughs> in a in a bar and then coming out and trying to ho- be full on aggressive <laughs> with them. <laughs> you know, in America they talk about, you know, they, a lot of the greats talk about Richard Pryor as an influence. You mentioned at the start of this you won the Billy T. James Award. Yeah. Who, who was your influences? For me it was Robin Williams was my oh, okay. biggest stand-up influence. Yep. Um, his, as in terms of someone who had flow, he would just have this amazing flow, yep. and I just what I had a tape of him live at the Met mm-hmm. that I'd just watch over and over and over again. Yep. Um, like I, I, I mean Billy T, his show was always on. Yeah, he was amazing. He, in terms of, he wasn't because um, I never really saw myself getting into sketch comedy. He yeah, wasn't yeah. so much like. I never saw him as a stand-up. He was just this epic That's right, yeah. entertainer. Which was the that was the times as well, wasn't it? Yeah, sketch comedy, same in Australia. Yeah, and and even here with funny business and stuff like that, it was all about sketch comedy. Yeah. Then um then when when I was sort of getting into it, and these these Canadian guys, Phil Nickel and um, Craig Campbell, who were just the most mental <laughs> dudes uh, ever, <laughs> we were doing this. Corporate sort of set up for the for the um, laugh festival at the time where they get all the sponsors into the heritage, the big tea room at the heritage, and we do a comedy debate. And Craig Campbell comes down with half a bottle of Canadian Club <laughs> empty uh, robe with nothing on underneath it, and it's wide open. <laughs> and then walks straight through the crowd up to the mic and starts talking about. The best way to fuck a moose is with a hockey stick so you can tickle its ear and distract it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, this guy is amazing. <laughs> and just see, you can see that the people watching it going, <laughs> and of course, there's nothing worse. In a way, than a corporate crowd, because it's people with their boss, yeah, and then right. they watch as their boss laughs. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. all these other dynamics. Yeah. The best dynamic is a dark room yeah. where people are just watching and they're not aware of. Yeah. of I remember what's going. going to, I remember going to see um, Ben Elton. This is when oh, back. This ben is years Elton, and years yeah. ago, and he, I was still playing cricket, and I went, and it was over on the North Shore somewhere, and it was quite steep, sort of. I don't know where it was, but it was steep and amphitheater sort of thing. 
and I remember he was he did this sort of circular thing where he sort of started with this point about the spot and he ended up and it came around and about with about the twenty minutes to go on the show, you could see that it was all gonna link back up, you know, it was just so clever. It was just and and talking about the spice girls and, you know, all this funny stuff at the time. But at one point I was laughing so hard that I was I was bent over in my seat and like literally having a laughing fit, you know, when you have an uncontrolled yeah. laughing fit. And I then th- I just snapped into the middle of it, and I just thought, "Shit, you're making an f- absolute fool of yourself." And I just sort of like s- sat up and sat back in my seat, and I looked around, and you could see just all around the thing, and if the whole place was having was yeah. having the same fit, and I just thought, "Oh my god, this guy is so funny. He's just brilliant." The because uh, the endorphins, yeah, that yeah, you yeah. get from that, yeah, it's it, it is. It's like a high, isn't it? It's absolutely. Hey, um, I want to ask you about your mum and dad because, like. The, you've sort of come from a a, a, high, what, a high achieving family, right? Yeah, definitely. My mum was like the first woman judge in um, Wellington and the second in New Zealand. It's amazing. And she, and she was young as as well at the same time. And dad's always been, he came over from Wales as a teacher at Mana College and he, he went into the DSIR and introduced the breathalyzer to New Zealand. He's oh. a forensic toxicologist. Um, then he became an actor, <laughs> and so I always knew him as an actor, and um, it was an awesome household to grow up in. Yeah. Just like my parents were all about sort of just dinner parties, and yeah, and they started circuit theatre in Wellington. I grew up in a theatre with all the other theatre kids, and it was just crazy times, and um, and. I mean, Mum's always had this massive drive and she works a lot with the youth court and we've got this thing called the Henwood Trust where we sort of, we work about trying to find different outcomes for really serious, violent youth offenders. And we've just put together this thing, the Covenant for Children, which is sort of an aspirational document for all the children in New Zealand. And we've got all the heads of all the iwi to sign it and Māori are behind it and we're sort of starting up a whole Māori youth court called the Rangatahi Court. Um, wow. process which is about sort of it's around the thing of everyone's just sick of um, people saying oh well look at so many Māori's in jail they, yeah. they're, they're keen to blame Māori but they're not letting Māori be part of the solution so yeah. it's sort of been and I'm a Pākehā we're a Pākehā family yeah. but mum's mum's just had such this drive it's incredible. For, for justice Yeah, and um, especially trying to help people and realising that jail's not the well, especially at youth as well, right? Yeah, she must have seen so many sad stories of... Oh, yeah, you know. of all that. And I'm glad I can come and I've been able to come into it now as a trustee of where I'm not trying to do the any of the day-to-day mental sort of stuff, trying to figure this out. But I can bring... I'm good at bringing people together, bringing a different perspective on it and just seeing seeing all this work that goes on and no matter what the government is how much pushing shit uphill happens yeah before you can actually get anything done and it sort of feels nice for me being part of something that's not just yeah. like I mean although I always think comedy's quite frivolous and that but then yeah. I, I was, did a gig and afterwards this woman came up and she was hey I just wanted to say that my like my sister died like last week and um, this has been amazing because yeah. when I laugh, I don't think about the Yeah, pain. that's nice. And yeah. that thing of going, shit, actually, you, yeah, are, yeah. you can, you know, you can yeah. bring 
Oh, you can. It's this, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some science that I haven't read, it, read but it's got to be good for you, right? It's got you to, can bring it, unless you go about yeah. it the wrong way. I was just, when you're talking about the Ben Elton, I thought you were going to say someone fucked up the gig because there's this great line this guy's <laughs> did. Of, he's like going along, and there's this, this woman who's just been completely <laughs> fucking ruining every gig. And so he goes, he goes for the. The real cheap. Well, I fucked your mum. <laughs> and she goes, my mum's dead. And he goes, well, I hope she didn't have AIDS then. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't use a condom. <laughs> that's great. And it's the thing of, like, that's when, when comedy goes from this point. That's why I love stand-up. And that's also why I think nothing Two should... minutes ago you were telling <laughs> yeah, us about I the know. good work you were doing in a call with setting up a Henwood Trust. Uh, yeah. and, now, and now we're talking about tying a Yeah, you're right. It's good. It's like, no, but nice then, tempo shift. Yeah. <laughs> just, to, it just sprung into my mind. <laughs> I wouldn't you, usually use okay. that story. But, but is it, did your parents, you know, uh, apart from the good work, like did clearly, because, you know, there's um, having people who have achieved it gives you a, a great platform, right, to, to sort of, but it also comes with a little bit of pressure. So did you feel, I mean, like you said earlier that they gave you, they said 10 years, you know, do it. But... Did it? Did it? Did you feel the pressure oh, yeah. of, of having I had to... massive pressure yeah. um, that wasn't put on by them, but coming through in Wellington, which is a really small city, it's geared towards theatre. Stand up wasn't very popular in Wellington, especially yeah. at the time. I it was a very small city. I just got this thing that I didn't want people thinking I was getting stage time because my dad's a famous actor. But he was a big influence. Yeah, he was a massive influence on me. And my dad dad just taught me. The best thing my dad ever said to me was he said that heaps of people have a similar skill set, right? There's... There are absolute geniuses, but there are heaps of people who have a similar skill set. And if you're a good person and you're fun to work with, you'll always get the job of yeah, it's a good person. Call. And it was just like that stuck with me and it was just yeah. that kept me grounded in terms of whenever I did a job. It was yeah. like, remember, you know, be nice to everyone. You yeah. don't know. That whole thing of, you know, yeah, you, you be nice yeah. to them on the way up. Yeah, you meet them all on the way yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's, a, that's the thing I didn't do. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> but just, uh, can I can I shift gears a little bit? So, um, oh, can I? Bef- yeah, no, can sorry, I, sorry, before sorry. Before you do it, yeah. one last question that goes segues to that is because because the opposite of that is in a com- my environment, very competitive sport. But but you your all environments are competitive, right? So you how do because I think you're a competitive person. I'm really competitive. So so how did you just to finish that point? How did you manage? Your, how did you manage that competitiveness but, and still be a nice guy? Yeah, too, um, in terms of that pressure, I ended up, I left Wellington because of that. I went, fucking, I'm moving to Auckland. Yeah. Where I can start. Yeah. No one knows me. Yeah. Boom. That's up. brave. Yeah, flat, yeah. flat with a comic, start at the ground. That's brave just again. Just go for it. And that, that worked out. The thing, comedy's really interesting on the competitive level because it is competitive. Everyone wants their gig, but also there's this real camaraderie. Because you don't want, like for me, I want the person before me to smash it 
Yeah. So yeah. if they do, then I'm coming for out you, on good a for way. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, Whereas yeah, if yeah. they die on their ass, yeah, so I've got to yeah. weirdly address that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, that totally. thing of people like, Jesus, he was shit. Yeah, totally. And you don't want to go out and there go, fuck, yeah. he's gone now. We're going to do that's right. fun. But um, it's, it's, it's that, it still has that drive. But you've, you've got to always temper it because you can buy into that. Like I got into a real dark place of buying into – Fuck, Flight of the Concord's so big. Man. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 you know, Reese's. Yeah. He's hooked up with them. He's now getting these gigs. And then it was like, hold on, if I was them, someone else's, there's a bigger, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seinfeld's bigger than that. You know, yeah, so there's right. always this other, there's always a better contract yeah. you could have. The, the, just what, the, that Seinfeld always talk, every time he interviews one on that coffee getting cars or whatever yeah. thing. So that, anyway, yeah, but, comedians um, and cars <laughs> getting coffee. <laughs> 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 coffee, coffee, cars, something in there. But they always, just about everybody asks. They all, they all say they love seeing their friends bomb on stage. Like it's oh, like, fuck yeah. <laughs> no, it's like it's like you make it in the dark. Like <laughs> beauty. It's like you go yeah, and get a hundred. Except for the big game, mate. Yeah. So like yeah, you like seeing right. them get a duck until it really matters. Yeah, and then yeah, it's that's like, right. And then it's like, come on, man. Oh, well, there's there's always a couple of. There's a couple of comics who we always loved. Who a comedian's comedian is usually someone who has a pretty average set, <laughs> but comics are at the back, <laughs> just laughing. Yeah. Like there's there's a line. There's Grant Lobin who was an amazing comic. He's now become famous on Shortland Street, which amazes <laughs> us all. He always had this line. He'd come out and go, "Yeah, my brother. He was a he was a hard individual. We um we went to Vietnam together and." Um, Chopper came down to pick us up and uh, misjudged the way we were landing and the blades came in and just cut his head off. And I can remember thinking, <laughs> as his head rolled down the hill, we should neck fuck him. <laughs> so we all fucked him in the neck. Yeah, my brother could swallow. <laughs> <laughs> he, would, he would come out. He would come out, and he would open with this after people had been like just riffing on stuff, and the crowd would be, <laughs> and he'd just be deadpan like what that. What just happened to us? Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, that was like it was like James Stewart. <laughs> That's it. When when you talk um, when you talk. Comedians, yeah. uh, competitors, the industry. So plagiarism is a big word, okay? Yeah. yeah. And and you, you I, want to, I want to talk about this because I don't think the, the modern guy, the guy that goes to the party, the rest of us plagiarise our humour. We plagiarise jokes and stories and anecdotes. So Joe Rogan, I don't know the comedian, but Joe Rogan destroyed another comedian's career recently through calling him a plagiarist. Yeah. I don't know if you know the guy I mean. I off the, I I know the incident. I don't know yeah, the, the yeah. guy. I mean, there's been there's been quite a few. Is that right? The, it, it, is it? Have you come across it? Is it prevalent in, in our? It's um, it's something that that is like the dirtiest word. Yeah, the dirtiest word and something you'd never want to be. Yeah, accused of stealing someone else's material. Stealing, and it's so it's something that you know if you're making if you're in the comedy industry and you make that call, that's like you better fucking have yeah, yeah, yeah. something to back that up. Yeah. You know? how, how much of it is the actual joke versus the style? See, there's, 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 definitely, there's definitely differences because the thing is, comedian, you, you think of an issue, 
there's only so many ways to look at that issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if it's a topical joke, I can see how people yeah. can come up with it. Yeah. Was, was it Carlos Mencina? Is that right? Yes, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, he destroyed him. He's, he's gone. Yeah, because the... But then, but then the thing is, Robin Williams was often accused of that. Really, he would go into they they say he would go yeah. into a comedy club, what say an open mic thing. Yeah, and Watch. if he pinched a joke from that, who's going to believe? Yeah, exactly. The the poor little man, yeah. Versus the superstar. So there's a rumor like if he came into the room, but that surely... tech would flicker, like flicker, right. and then the people on stage would know. But I, I never. Surely you can't talk about Robin Williams like that. No, he I never. Like... I never buy in. <laughs> like I never buy into that. Oh, I but... like I, I, I'm pretty. I'm I'm always of the thing of my things about writing jokes and telling jokes. Yeah. So if someone nicked a joke of mine, I just fucking get rid of it and do another one. Yeah. yeah. If you hold on, if you hold on has to it the happened? past, no, it hasn't. It hasn't. I mean, there's been situations where someone I've seen someone's been influenced by it. There yeah. was definitely there was a period where I was sort of really starting to come to the fore domestically, where a lot of people had my style. Yeah. Yeah. Of comedy, um, and we're maybe doing some similar lines, yeah. but it was that thing of if I'm gonna get bogged down in this, yeah. then that all that's gonna do is hurt me. Yeah, like it's yeah, that yeah. thing of, and it's hard nowadays. It's so different. You can go on the internet and watch the best five minutes of every comic in the yeah, world. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly. You know, right. when I came yeah. through, it was like getting uh, yeah. Ron Williams VHS. Well, yeah, you know, right. it's even better than that now. Like, like a guy that's become new to me is Norm Macdonald you know like oh god he uh, is so funny he's oh, funny I, I, honestly eh? and it's like but the internet is perfect for him right have because... you heard his gay country singer sketch <laughs> <laughs> everyone out there look it up it's about a country singer who goes underground and then when he comes back to record his new album he's come out as being gay but he hasn't told any of the producers and he starts singing and they'll be hey Kurt, can't what do you mean by getting <laughs> d- deep down in the manhole cover there? Uh, and then it slowly comes out. He gets gayer and gayer through this recording. It's an amazing... But it's something only Norm Macdonald could do. He's just got an amazing, amazing delivery. But the thing is, like with that plagiarism, like going back to Ron Williams, I also... I don't buy into that because I think there's a lot of people who have stuff to gain by... But but also, like... By saying, <laughs> oh, Robin Williams ripped me off or... Yeah, but it's sort of like the... It's sort of like someone... Like, I remember a guy, Michael Parlane, was the, who I played cricket with, was the first guy I ever do see do the scoop shot. So he, was, he played domestic cricket in New Zealand, looked like Martin Crowe, quite a classy batsman, never quite was played for New Neil Zealand. Was Neil Parlane as well? No, yeah. brothers. Oh, no, yeah. brothers. So, but Michael was my era, and he... Perfected before anyone else that I had ever seen it. The scoop shot, right? So you put the bat down, you know the and yeah. And now, and of course, what's happened over time? I I learned to do it off him, and then other other people do it. Then Damasena does it. Then all of a sudden, Brendan McCullum's doing a different version of it, two hands over thing, and it's like you would never accuse Brendan McCullum of plagiarising. Yeah. Of, 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 but he but he sort of taken the idea and done it better, right? Yeah. And it's sort of like, and it's same thing with Robin Williams, I reckon. Like Robin Williams, you can sort of see, you, you draw inspiration from things. And you, you, if you saw something funny that someone didn't quite pull off, but you got the gist of it, of, yeah, you know, a, a genius will will work out how to make that work, right? Yeah, and there's, there's, I suppose in a way there is nothing more frustrating 
than watching like a rookie comic who does it. Yeah, well, that's gag. right. Who's got a and really it, good idea. No, he's got an idea and it's like, oh, fuck. You're so it's close. So <laughs> close to that. And like, it's not getting a laugh and you just got to. But it's a, it's a fine line because, um, you know, you talked before about Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And he had a brother, Charlie Murphy, who was part of Dave Chappelle's crew. Oh, I saw him when he's he came so, over here. He's he so, funny. so funny. <laughs> those, those print sketches and, you know, they, he. He's hilarious. Eddie Murphy's not really very funny. No, now. but he, he's he, was, quite a he was cutting edge guy. back then. Yeah. You know, well, well, he you got, has like, just got seven like comparing for uh, Netflix specials. Bad, <laughs> eh? Comparing Chris, Chris bad. Martin to you. You know, he's, <laughs> he's taking 200 wickets, but well, he's the not. singer. No, he's not Dion Nash. <laughs> either, you know. Still got his couple of wickets. You know, Are you trying mean. to sit me up, eh? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> But I tell you, the. Um, the 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 hardest thing about being known as the funny guy, yeah. right, is people think you're just funny all the time. You can do stand up all the time. Right? <laughs> I went over yeah. to the, the 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 this this I still wake up with fucking cold sweats about this. I went over to um, like the upside of of like when I came through being funny was I got to meet a lot of dudes who were like sporting idols. Yeah, right? yeah. Like um, Dan Carter we mentioned before, I became friendly with him and I was like, fuck, you're just a good dude. And they see me as someone who's at the pinnacle of being funny so we can sort of relate but we're not competing and so forth. Yeah. So I went over to Argentina with the All Blacks when yeah. they did their first um, tour there and Air New Zealand started flying over there. So I went over like with this tour party and then Dan Carter went, come on. We do club night on Tuesday where everyone dresses up in their club gear, have some beers, come along. Get there, and he goes, so you do some stand-up for the boys. And it's just the squad, oh, the fucking no. squad of 30 dudes <laughs> and bloody Steve Hansen. No. <laughs> Standing around me in a semicircle. Demanding stand-up. Going, just do 10 minutes, mate. Oh, get And, you know, it's like intimidating. Intimidating dudes. And also, when you have a clique of, like, you'd, you'd know from sport, when you have a team, you have the funny bastards yeah, yeah, in the team. Yeah, yeah. So that thing was like, Ma Nonu was always the dude who was, yeah. you know, so it was like, and this is before any of oh, like, the Aaron Smith no. stuff had happened. So there wasn't any, <laughs> so I couldn't even. Yeah, you had Richie McCaw to work with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, it was, luckily, it was that thing of, I just sort of started then, I went, oh, fuck, I've got this bit that's about ten minutes long and it mocks all these other sports. Yeah. So I sort of slipped into that, but then tried to personalise it. But I've never been more because you know when you're nervous your voice goes up a bit high also I'm just standing there you don't have when you've got the dynamic of a comedy club you've got the lights the microphones like I've well, the, got the, the talky stick. The other thing, though, is also is, is sports teams become like a, a, a culture of themselves. Like a, you, I remember going on a cricket tour because cricket tours are four months long. You'd come home and you had you'd had your own your own language, you know, like all yeah. the in jokes that, and little comments and lang- just language that you'd picked up from the video and the bus or whatever that all the team had watched, and so. They, it becomes like a wall, a really intimidating wall, eh? And where you don't, you've got in jokes where you don't quite know where it started. It no, might yeah. have been a thing on the menu that then just became a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a word. But it was that that was that moment that I still wake up going, oh fuck. And then I try to stay out of situations like that. <laughs> so so well, that's actually probably because now you don't drink, right? So you, yeah, now I sort of I that's something I I partied. I started young on drink. 
take sort of I ne- like I've always sort of dabbled with drugs, but never that that's never yeah. been a, you know vi- a massive vice for me. But drinking's just such an insidious yeah. thing. Where I've I'm lucky I've got because. One of my positives is I don't do anything in moderation, which is why I'm a good comedian, I think. Yeah. And this is also a theory I've got about why people who are really successful have issues with alcohol yeah. and stuff because they can't moderate. It's like, yeah. when I do this, I go fucking all in. Yeah. So then it's when I'm having eyes neck back. And then um, it, it was so much fun just drinking and being loose and then it started to have impacting my relationship and then... I really, and not, the, I'm, I was always a pretty happy drunk. I was never an abusive guy. I don't get rageful when I'm, yeah. when I'm drinking. But like, then there was a few moments when my wife's just really started to worry about yeah. me. So then I started taking time off the booze. And then I re- started doing shows when I wasn't drinking. And that was so much better. Like, and just in terms of the structure of a show. And I was like, shit, I'm taking it to another level. Yeah. And then, I had kids, and then I'd drink it, drink a bit, and then it just slips back in. Yeah. I'm not not getting caned, but it's still yeah. creeps up on you. Yeah, and if you yeah. look, if you looked at how much you should drink, it yeah. still becomes five, six beers a night. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And then and then you go, and that's not a night where I'm sort of yeah. getting loose. And then I went, fuck, I'll just try a year year off. And so I'm doing that at the moment, and it's um, I, I've I've found myself at a nice place, and it's the thing of just going, fuck, I've done. Yeah. I've done so much drinking. If I have a year off and I go back to it, because my yeah. my thing, it's not about it's not about trying to set. It's almost like throwing something new into the mix in a way, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I explain having kids like that. It's yeah. like <laughs> it's like you know, so you got to keep changing up the recipe. But yeah, and parent parenting's been a really hard thing for me. It's something that I always thought I'd naturally be a great parent and always wanted to have kids. But I, I've got like um, a son who's awesome, but he's He's a spirited kid. Hard. How old are the kids? Six and three. Do they know Daddy's a star? Yeah, yeah, they know. The funny, my six-year-old, oh. they were at the mall. We're at the, at the mall, and people come up for selfies and that. And he's okay. We're just selfies with kids. We're not doing adults today, <laughs> right? One more selfie, then we're out of here, okay? Yeah, you, mate. You, you can come up. He's like a little bouncer. But I, um, because I'm like. I've never had to deal with rage and yeah. anger in my life like I have since I've had kids. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like Walk, I've never, to my world. Yeah, I've never that I've never got to that level. Like that level of going, oh, so this is, people who have anger issues. This is why they cut <laughs> people out in the street because they get so wound up by that mouth breathing dude taking too long at the ATM. They just clock yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> but then you, the rage is almost more personified because when you've got kids, your natural instinct is to hold it in. Yeah, that's right. So you like, <laughs> you just like, so dealing with that and coming to grips with disciplining and it's just been like, it's been, that's been a huge trip. So take, and also we don't have big sleepers as kids. So I've sort of, <laughs> I've sort of taken taken the booze out, and like this year particularly, I've started training with Monty Beatham like three times a week at the crack of dawn. Great bloke. And that's what what keeps you going? How do you get up at the crack of dawn? So I love. But, I've so always I'm, been early mornings, right. even if I partied all night. I'd be up at six. Yeah. Uh, something. I love the but, morning. But, yeah. but what keeps you motivated? Because like, like uh, I'm I'm an older guy now, and I'm I can't get I. 
I don't want to do anything exercise wise, and I'm starting to feel it. My bones and starting to put on a bit of weight, and and but I keep thinking the motivation will come, but it's not. And then I think, well, what? Why? What? So what keeps so you? So when you're a short dude, TV and putting on five kegs, you see it real quick <laughs> on a small dude. Because <laughs> for me, for me, seven kgs is a huge. Yeah, yeah, that's like, the business you're in. You yeah, look yeah. good. You look yeah, really and, good. But the thing is, I find it hard. Like I must say that yesterday, I was saying I was, I'm sort of an interesting, not a rut, but a part of my life where I'm like, fuck, what am I? Yeah. What is my next? Like I'm not hungry at the moment for any like seven year, seven days. We've we hit ten years. That's yeah, amazing. Thing. It's it's the longest running yeah. um, comedy show in New it's Zealand. La- it's laugh out loud though, man. It's so good because we still we still just. Like push the boundaries. Like some of the stuff that was said about the Uber Eats ad about me eating out Rachel Hunter on seven days straight when it went to air. No one like you go. I watched that back going, oh my god, you left that in. That's <laughs> like so intense. <laughs> hey, I have to ask you: Have you watched the Educators? Yes. I've. I thought that was laugh out loud. So I was. I. I thought they nailed how to feel awkward. So Johnny Bruff and Jackie Van Beek, they were both, I've been really close with them and done shows over the years. Um, Down at One Red Dog on Ponsonby Road back in the day. One Red Dog. (laughs) One Red Dog. I used to manage that, right? I used to manage that. One Red Dog. We put a show on, Jackie, Johnny, Reese Darby and myself, called The Dog Show, where no one knew it was happening. Reese Darby and Jackie, this is before Reese or Jackie were recognisable, would sit down. I'd be the waiter. People knew me as the waiter and manager. I was always cruising around. They would have an anniversary. He'd give her, she'd give him a present, then he'd give her a present, she'd unwrap it, and it was this massive dildo. <laughs> and they'd have this, like, slight this argument that would get bigger and bigger, and everyone would start looking. And then Johnny Bruff came down and started banging on the window, and he had an electric guitar, and he'd walk in and he'd just get up real pissed on a table and start wailing on this electric guitar while these people argued about this dildo. <laughs> and just watching all the other people go, what the, the fuck, fuck is going on? <laughs> and it was just phenomenal. And those guys... It could improvise so much, and then seeing the educators because Jackie, who's in that, yeah. she's married to Jesse Griffin, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. they just have this amazing, and that is like that's comedy that I watch. <laughs> yeah, and, it pretty. still surprises me. He's and got such a, Jesse's brilliant in himself. He's got such a soft touch. Eh? It's yeah, like incredible. They, um, hey, before, we, we're running a little bit short on time, but I've before I know because you there's a couple of questions I must I have to ask you, which yeah. are not about comedy. One is like, because you're a Warriors fan. Oh, yeah. Diehard Warriors fan. So I, ha- I can't let the opportunity pass. I also hate it. I have to, have to preface it. I'm actually a league fan As first. opposed to I'm a war- league fan. Right, sorry. And I'm a Warriors fan. Like, yeah. I, growing up, I was straight up are you trying? Are I you... wanted to be Benny Elias when I was... Yeah, nice, yeah. And I... then they came in and, of course, the Warriors became my yeah, 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 as yeah. default. 
did league ever get better than when they had the balls with the white spirals? Do you remember Absolutely. the white spirals? That was at its Absolutely, peak. That was yeah. at its white, peak. Why did they take? Why did they stop that? That was they the took best. That. And you used to be able to wear. You used to be able to wear a full big fucking mask. No one arm was this big. He was seventeen stages to smash people with it. Because they and they used to wear hockey pads. Yeah, as get well. the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs yeah. said, "Yeah, Steve Fogs." Um and. No, I just because I played rugby, I wasn't. I would have been kicked out of school if I played league. Yeah, that was that's just sort of the nature of how rugby and yeah. union and league was, especially in Wellington, wasn't a real big yeah league league town. And um, I just I'd watch it the night before. I could stay up late and watch the Winfield Cup. Yeah, and it's yeah. just you know. And for me, we used to have a keg party each year and watch the '89 Grand Final. Which <laughs> no, is Steve the, Jackson. Which is Steve te- Jackson's greatest yeah, driver. Technically, the best the Grand Final. Best Grand Final. Of all, of all best time. Grand Final ever. And every year we'd watch the same game and drink a keg. It's it's the quintessential game of rugby league. Well, yeah. But what happens in the final? Who, who so ba- basically, Balmain Balmain get the the lead. And, uh, but everything goes wrong. So Ben Elias kicks a field goal. Like no, no one's charging down anything to take his time. He kicks it, he hits the crossbar and bounces back. Little McNeil uh, runs through and he's unstoppable and someone ankle taps him and he's, he's about to score. He's, he's no one in front of him. And, and that happens. Then Steve Jackson scores the greatest try of like a couple of seconds on the clock. But Warren Ryan, the Belmain coach, has taken off the greatest Belmain players. And you can't put him back on for the extra time. So he's taken off Paul Serenin and Locker Steve Roach. Roach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so it was the greatest tactical error. So they had to play the extra time and, of course, the Raiders destroyed them in extra time. But then the twist in it that came out a couple of weeks ago was the, the CEO of Canberra at the time, right? They were doing the crossbars. And oh, they, right? they didn't know how high the crossbar was meant to be. So he goes to the groundsman, I'll ring the Sydney Football Stadium and how high <laughs> they got it. I uh, just put it up that high. They put it up that high. They find out that the crossbar was four inches too high, so Benny Elias's kick would have gone over. over. <laughs> they never won a premiership. That was no. it, mate. And this is the Canberra guy admitting it. So yeah. it's not, oh, it's not oh, like Crazy. <laughs> but it was yeah. just but, one but of the greatest game of rugby league of all time. The heyday, and um, I've, I've, I mean, well, went over to the 2011 grand final. The, yeah, I've yeah, sort yeah. of been, been. I've ne- I never bought into the got to have keep the faith yeah, sort yeah. of thing. I thought that that anno- that always annoyed me a bit yeah. with the with the Warriors. And I um I I run the captains club out there each game, so I like go out and interview sort of old players like your um, Ali Lauatiti. We've got yeah. Wiki in there this week, and um and it's great. It's sort of all the old cats and their kids who come along, and my son loves it. We I take my son when we're four years when he's four years old a couple of years ago. Take him out and he goes, oh, Dad, so glad we beat those fucking roosters. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, did you hear that? And he's like, oh, everyone's, everyone's <laughs> saying it. Everyone's saying it. And we, we go, just your intonation's perfect, mate. <laughs> but I just, I, I love going out and because I love rugby league and I love watching it live. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I love... I love to hate Melbourne, but I'd always go to watch Billy Slater live because yeah. you never what he did off the ball you could only ever see live yeah, and floating right. around and that's running right. defence running the whole defence. So you know, I love that. And I, I'm also a game's a game. Yeah. That's why yeah. all black fans need to 
harden the fuck up, mate, <laughs> and, and lose more. Because it's like, it's a game. I watch. I love it when we win. Yeah. But everyone just, oh, they're not fucking trying. They are trying. Yeah, yeah. They're going yeah. out there. They train all week. They're not going out there to fuck it up. That like, is the well, thing is, well, also, but also dynasties come and go, you know, and, yeah. you know, Sometimes you have great teams, sometimes you don't. That's just part of uh, of dynasties sport. and fan and sports. Yeah, right. The um, but oh, well, I was going to throw Mick under the bus, but I think you you probably like. Uh, what what's your favourite? If you do you have a favourite era for the Warriors? Well, or, my, or league? So know? my favourite my favourite player of all time is Lance or higher actually. <laughs> weirdly, which is quite a strange player. He's a great player. He's a great player. I'd love him because. Do you know how it came about? So when we when I first came, we were we didn't have any money. We literally had no money. So because I was a marketer from Kellogg's, I grabbed an advertising company. I think the guy that owned his name was Peter Scutts from Young and Rubicum. And um, we shot an ad. And I was out there and we were doing this ad in the ad. It's a quite a famous ad for us at the Warriors where Stacey's running in the dark. You know, I didn't leave for more money. I didn't do this. I stayed for the Warriors. So we needed, we only need about 10 people to do the shoot because we had no money. Single camera. And um, we got all these kids from Auckland Rugby League. And one of these kids was this little little guy, little stocky guy. He was about 17 or 18. And uh, in between the breaks, you know, I threw a ball to him and he just... He just pulled it straight back to me, and I was like, "What the hell?" And I, I did it again. And he goes, "I said, you go the other side." And he 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 did it the other side. It's a true story. And then I was like, "Can you kick inside out? Can you kick outside in?" And he was doing everything. And I rang Matthew Ridge, and I said, "Mate, you got to get down there and see this kid." <laughs> and then ring Daniel Anderson, and he and Daniel's on the phone at home. He goes, "Oh no, I'm not coming down. I'm tired." And he said, "What's his name?" And I said, what's your name, mate? And he said, his, his name's Lance O'Hire. And he said, no, he's already in the system. Like that. He played in the grand final the next year. That's that, he's a, He was a freak kid. He just, he just, is like a lot of kids, Lance was a great player and achieved great things. He did. Lives in the States now. He's a great guy. He coaches rugby union now. He's an amazing guy. But it's funny, he, he, for all the greatness he did, he, he, probably, he probably should have been greater. Yeah, why I like them. There's very few players who could literally play every single position yeah, on the park. He did too, and he he could he could do everything. Played everywhere, man. And I think I liked him because he was the archetypal like battler, as you say. He's great, you know, him. like he never reached your, your Billy Slade, but he was there. Great for the farm and he, yeah. Yeah. he was yeah he was better than that though. Eh? He, is, he was better he than that. Fast, yeah. like, he had good everything, speed off the mark, good skills. Great guy too. Tackle, yeah. like literally tackle a great guy. Did he get guy. knocked out a few times at the end? There? He did at the end. He's, that's that's what that's how it ended. He ended. He actually got knocked out over in England. Yeah. The guy knocked him out and then and then punched his head in while yeah, he was no, unconscious. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That was horrendous. Right. But my shit. my I'm a, a big New South Wales Blues supporter as well. Always have yeah. been. And going to my best rugby union rugby league situation was going to MCG <laughs> with um with some mates to watch. The uh, state of origin there, yeah. And just there's no rugby union or rugby league spectacle like state of origin. Like, uh, awesome sporting event. I I got interviewed. I was playing in the test match in Australia up in Brisbane, and um, go out to get an interview after practice the day before the test. And you know I'm nervous first time playing Australia. And who should be Wally Wally Lewis walks over to me with a with the the microphone, and he's working for one of the channels. And I'm like, and he's going, oh hey Dion, do you mind if I grab a few? 
mate, and I was like, you're Wally Lewis. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was a starstruck. I was standing there just going, oh, my God. And I, all I just wanted to was felt this, like, regurgitating all, all these things I've seen of Wally Lewis back to him. And he's, <laughs> and he's just standing, and I was like, and, and then you took on Mike Guyer, and then the fight, and then and, and, and just try it. And, and, and he goes, and he looks at me and goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Can I just get a few words? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. I know we're finished, but it's funny. Those those hero stories, you know what I mean? I had a night on the piss with Mal Meninga. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and I was I was getting him to tell me stories, you know, like he, he scored the greatest ever try for the Kangaroos after the bell against Great Britain when they were about they're finally about to beat us. And Ricky Stewart throws a dummy and runs through. And Mel Meninga actually shoulders Doug Pell all the way and then comes inside and gets the ball over the line. But what that wasn't the the part that I couldn't believe. It didn't matter what I asked. He loved telling them. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big night. He fucking told them all night. He didn't stop. He just loved them. Anyway, what a great night. No, hang on. One last thing. All right. Cricket. Fucking, what about that final? Ah. Uh, you lost. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> you, can you just stand down? I just can you just stand down? Yeah, I'm sorry. As, as, a, as a massive... Warriors and Black Caps fan, <laughs> there was sort of a are you, sense of... Are, are you Catholic? Oh, yeah, Is there a bit of self-flagellation as well? Was a, oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen a game where... Uh, I've never seen the, the ebbs and flows in a game like yeah. that. Where it, it was just, a great game. Where it came down. And, I mean, you've got to feel... When I was talking about, like, the, the people not worried, like, you're not you're not giving it your all now. That's where I feel sorry for Guptill. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you have a tournament like that where nothing clicked and then you just happen to be involved in but these also, pivotal moments. And, he, and then everyone's, like, questioning whether he should have been in the last over. And it's like everyone's forgotten that, that, last, that, last that Jimmy Neesham faced, faced five balls and got us to within two. He's the he, guy he, I feel he, sorry he, for. He even, so, so Guptill hadn't even faced the ball and all of a sudden he's going to go down there and hit three to win or whatever, two to win. But you've got to feel for Jimmy Neesham who basically oh won Oh, my it. gosh. And then they did a count back and the team with the most Guptills lost. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's all. I've got everything I need. What a way to end. Die Hedwood. Thanks, mate. Cheers, well done. Hey, man. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, yeah. No, that's why you've got to have Monty on. Because that was what he, he was telling me. He was saying, um, you got a lot of shit at the Warriors, but you um, they don't understand all the really good shit you did and how young you were and people always focus on the bad. They don't realise all the amazing shit yeah. that came along and all the positives. You but know, we shouldn't let people forget that he, like, cooked the box, right? <laughs> we, shouldn't let, we shouldn't let that fly. That's got to, like, you know, he came in, did a great job, cooked the box and left. I said, um, so someone, someone said to me today, because obviously no one at work will have the guts to bring any of that up, and this documentary's <laughs> just been on, you know, and the guy, uh, he's actually, his name's Andre, says to me, hey, hey, uh, I just want to say, uh, I, I watched that, um, I watched that documentary the other night, and I said, "Oh," yeah. and he said, "You know, the, the the part three. and I said, "Yeah," and he said, "The, the salary cap," and I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I get it," and he said, yeah, "You just came out and said, yeah, you know, this is what happened, and that was me," and he said, "But no one else said anything," and I said, "No, no, no one else was." <laughs> but if you think you're worried about what 
<laughs> they're going to say, like you imagine John Hart must have been like, what's that bald cunt going to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you spoke to Watson, you, yeah, he would have been like that. Everyone fucking knew, mate. Don't but you think all, all the blokes today, the players that get paid, they yeah. fucking know what's going on as well. Like, you know what I, I mean? I don't believe any of this shit now we're there or, oh, <laughs> yeah, we don't, oh, we don't. Well, your player manager knows exactly It's the same as that pot smoking in South Africa, right? Three owned up and we have to fucking yeah, live and yeah, tell the story right. over and over that's and over. I mean. There's a few other yeah, people in right. here who never have to tell no, the fucking story, mate. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the ones that can't, they're the ones that really shit themselves the rest of their life. No, but they're always stressed out. Because people forget, man. When they said to me, so what can you say about the salary cap? I said, well, mate, it's a long time ago. I can't remember much about it. I said, you got to remember, I actually didn't get caught. Uh, it was the next blokes that got caught. We had a, we didn't sit out the cheek. We went over the cap, and then you've got to you've got to pull back. So we had to get rid of Louis Anderson. We had to get rid of Harmy um, Lawaki or whatever his name was. And had to get rid of Vinnie Anderson. Like, yeah. No, it was yeah. his brother nah, Epalami. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so we had to get rid of them. And there was a few few two tiers. We had to clean up some third party sponsorship. And I said, but it was never about Steve Price and Ruben Wiki. I've never said that before. I just don't bother. And the guy's like, really? And I said, well, I didn't know that. I just signed them. How am I going to get How am I gonna get them to do, you know, under the table yeah, deals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's everyone else. Yeah. And he said, oh, okay. So who knew? And I said, everyone knew. What do you mean? But I said, they, they probably, I don't know, they don't want to say it. I said, I'm happy to say it. It was me. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They rushed that last. They rushed it. That that, that last one. It, all uh, those first two were like, oh, that's settling in. That that's last right. one was like. Brrr. No, because like, <laughs> I really think that I really think that every because I know I was like, fuck. So I'm like, who are you talking to? And they're like, oh, well, ironically, we got John Hart next, and I was like, fuck, what's that guy gonna say? And then I started to think over the next few weeks. Well, it's human nature. If I'm thinking like that. He's going to be thinking like that. You talk to that bull, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Di. That was no magic. Worries. That was our best one. See?